Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the WorkLife podcast. This is your host, Agnes Uheretsky of the WorkLife Hub. And today I'm joined by Oliver Baxter. Hi, Oliver. Hello, Agnes. How are you doing? So it's great to have you on our podcast. Oliver is um, Group Program Manager at the Herman Miller Insight Group. He um, is joining us today from Dubai, the United Arab Emirates, where he's based now. But we met actually, um, Oliver, two years ago in 2014, uh, gosh, almost three years ago in London, when he was working at the Insight Group back then. Um, when we participated at an event about the fundamental human needs and intersection with the Herman Miller uh, concept of the living office. Yes. It was a great, uh, great event. So, Oliver, you have a degree in psychology. You, you started your working life teaching in Norway. Um, and then you joined Herman Miller in 2011. So I would like to maybe ask you now uh, to tell listeners about your passion, what drives you, how this role is, is fueling all of that at Herman Miller and perhaps also introduce Herman Miller to the listeners. Okay. Um, well, Herman Miller, first and foremost, is kind of a, a design agency that just how happens to leave furniture in its wake, really. Um, so we believe in inspiring designs to help people do great things. And that is very to my passion and purpose and what I believe have been put on the planet to do is to really kind of affect that change within businesses. So to hit as many people on the planet as possible, get them aligned with their passion and purpose so that they can move the world on a little bit further. So the way I choose to do that is by aligning myself with, with a very forward-thinking um, furniture company called Herman Miller that facilitates my ability to do that. Um, I first came across them actually when I was, uh, when I was still working in Norway um, teaching applied psychology and I was thinking about getting into the corporate world because I realized that I could have a, have, a, have a better effect. I could, I could get more people surrounding me with significantly more resources um, than kind of dealing with the, 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 the one-on-one coaching and, and speaking at uh, the, the limited conferences that I did back then. Um, so I, I came across Herman Miller online and um, I 
discovered them through actually their ranking in 2010 as the 89th out of the top 100 companies to work for in the world. And that for me kind of kind of blew my mind. So when when the recruiter recommended to me the the organization, I was just like, wow, this is this is fantastic. Please let's uh, let's set up a meeting and, and see where we can go from there. So I've been working with them for for six years now, um, five of which have been in the Insight Group. Uh, so the Insight Group is is responsible for um, uh, for the commissioning of research, working with a lot of my colleagues, uh, uh, very learned colleagues in, in North America, who um, who actualize that research. And then I have the fantastic opportunity and responsibility of going out there and talking to anyone that will really listen to me actually um, about some of the concepts that we hold dear to our heart at Herman Miller. Um, if you ever see me speaking on a bill or or, um, you know, I'm, I'm ever in your space uh, doing a presentation, I, I will never be talking about the products. That's that's not my bag. Although I'm very passionate about the, the products that Herman Miller creates, uh, we can have a separate conversation about that. My intention is purely just to educate people on uh, topics such as the psychology of collaboration or personality preferences that affect people's interaction or human dynamics. The living office is something that's incredibly dear to my heart as well because that is such an all-encompassing kind of umbrella um, philosophy and, and methodology that we've been we've been promoting for the last three years now to really affect great change within uh, some of the large corporate organizations that we work with, which just so happened to be 93 out of the top 100 companies on the planet. So we're, we're trying to expand our reach through the uh, through the knowledge and insight and exploration process. Thank you so much for taking us through this, uh, this great story. And um, we have at the Work Life Hub also collaborated with with your colleagues back in the US at the Human Dynamics and Work Department, um, delivering a white paper, a series of white papers about <clears throat> human dynamics and fundamental human needs and, and workplace trends. And, and I think um, we can share a fan moment here because we are, of course, great fans and ad admirers of, of the work Herman Miller is doing. So maybe uh, going more into this concept of, of human-centered design mm -hmm. and 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 what you also said about about putting the individual, putting the person at the center of of what makes a great workplace. Can you maybe just elaborate a little bit on, on this philosophy that you also touched upon? Yeah, of course. I, I mean, it really is a shift. It's um, it's kind of a, a reimagining that we're trying to get out there about this new landscape of work. Um, in the past, it was it was pretty easy to measure what people did and to provide them with the these rudimentary spaces in order for them to do what we would call their task of rote, so their process-orientated task. Um, now, actually, we're starting to discover that there's significantly more knowledge workers in organizations, which means that actually a, a large part of their job and their responsibility and the work that it is that they're doing doesn't necessarily happen at desk. And actually, it's something that's really difficult to measure now. Um, whereas a little over 100 years ago when you had um, kind of the, the Taylorism approach by, uh, by Frederick Taylor and the scientific management, you know, that was really good at governing, you know, what are your outputs? What are we trying to measure from, from these guys, these people in these organizations? And now, yes, it's about people's intelligence, you know, their IQ, but more so than ever, it's about their EQ, their emotional intelligence, their ability to apply their brain in conjunction with another's. So let alone trying to measure um, <laughs> how many ideas we have, you know, how can anyone ever measure how many ideas somebody can do and, and put that into a, a same process, but also we have to measure the ideas we're having with other people. 
So for us, we need to kind of um, reorientate back towards the individual. Because in the past, we've catered for, for the group and organizational needs. Um, and now today, there's more of an onus on the individual needs that need to be represented in the workplace. So just as an example, in terms of uh, interior design, which is quite often what, what we're asked to speak about here at Herman Miller, um, in the past, what would happen is, um, you know, an architect or a designer or a Herman Miller strategist would work with a business and they would um, be told which departments um, people were in. We'd be given a floor plan and showed exactly where each department was going to go. Um, we would then not necessarily us, but just uh, in terms of the design process, make some sweeping generalizations about um, the types of work that people would do in these different departments. So, um, so salespeople. Salespeople, stereotypically loud, extroverted, talk louder than is socially acceptable on the mobile phone. They're constantly roaming around the office if they're even in the office to begin with. Now, of course, that's true for some salespeople, but it's not true for all of them. So as you can see, if we kind of have a one-size-fits-all policy for a, for a sales department, it's not actually going to fit um, everybody within that team. And it's the same with IT and finance. Some of the sweeping generalizations that may have been made in the past is that they are a little bit more introverted. They prefer uh, to um, retire away from kind of the social gatherings. Um, they're doing lots of fine, detailed, concentrated work. Again, true for some finance and IT professionals, but not true for everybody. So when we do this one-size-fits-all, in my mind, it typically fits nobody. So what we want to try and do is just um, waken everybody up and educate them to the fact that people are different. You know, we only have to look at our thumbprint to know that, that everyone is unique. Um, so whether you are of a generation, whether you have a certain gender, a certain personality type, you're doing a certain job role, you're working somewhere in the world, none of that really means all that much to me in terms of planning your space because I don't know you. All of these factors can play in a variety of different ways. So we need to cater for how those effects come together and how we do that is through the living office. Um, so as I said before, it's a philosophy and a methodology that, that we use to have a, a good x-ray of a business. Uh, we do this quite often in conjunction with the architecture and design community to find out what is, what is fundamental to, to everybody within the business. So things like the human dynamics, you know, what is driving us, what is our passion and purpose, and then what is unique to the organization? What is their purpose? What are their business objectives? What are the activities that their people are doing when they come into the workplace? Because they will be different. And not just for that organization, but for different campuses, for different facilities, their people will have different requirements and therefore the spaces should be different as well. So it's, it's a very thorough and rigorous process that we've been, that we've had a theory on, we've tested it, and now we have a lot of these proof points, a lot of this kind of um, statistical data to, to basically highlight that what we said about three or four years ago in terms of this philosophy we call the living office has, uh, has actually become and rung true for many of our clients, at least the ones that we, that we um, took the added time to, to measure pre, during and post um, occupancy of the space. And what also I particularly um, like and we also absolutely share in, within this philosophy is the idea that everyone should be allowed to bring their whole selves to work and to, to stop complying with this ideal worker mold where we used to fit people in and, 
and not consider that they had any outside of work interests or any passions or, you know, we just wanted them to to come to work and then perform and then leave everything else outside. But um, I think what is also quite interesting about this living office and, and the whole philosophy of Herman Miller is, is the idea that um, this wholeness or wholesomeness of, of well-being around around the person, that that it's it's really uh, important to to allow them to be themselves and and recognizing that this has very very specific um, benefits to business outcomes as well. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, authenticity is is one of the big ones. You know, if you have to come to work and pretend to be someone else, <laughs> you know, you put on that suit in the morning and you have to switch on into a different character. It's incredibly stressful. That puts a lot of pressure on people in businesses. So being able to be your true self and not have to conform to um, kind of contrived um, processes that are of a bygone era, um, I think is incredibly important because we, we do need to look at the business and the individual holistically. So how can those needs be met both ways, both for the organization and for the people that are employed within them? Now, you mentioned holistically and looking at it really from, from a systemic view. And I think that there are just still so many articles out there which only tackle just one tiny aspect, you know, and they get kind of hung up on them. Like recently, there was a flurry of articles about how Google got the open plan office wrong or, you know, the idea about hot desking and, and whether uh, employees should be able to decorate and and um, individualize their workstations or workspaces as they like fit. What what are your thoughts um, on these these different elements? And maybe just you know, when when journalists or when uh, experts take out these individuals and get kind of hung up on certain elements, because I know that within the Herman Miller, you you look at okay, what space fits which kind of activity and what kind of outcome do we want to achieve from that activity and and it's not so much of this binary approach or or zero sum approach it's either open office or cubicles it's either hot desking or personal desking yeah i mean there has been some phenomenal theories in the past that that made a lot of logical sense um but it's like i always say when i'm with a client i'm very frank and honest with them it doesn't matter who you decide to work with you're never going to get this stuff right 100% day one of bringing your people into the office. Because as much theory and application we, we, we can do, um, people are going to come in and do things that you would never have imagined them doing. So for me, the testing element is, is the biggest and most important part. So at Herman Miller, actually, we go through a rigorous process of following up every six months with clients to see what is working. So the key is in the title of what we're trying to promote. So the, the living office is spaces that are alive, that are vibrant, that, that you can feel that work. You don't necessarily have to have any data around them because we have this, this feel before we think um, kind of uh, driver within us, this, this kind of gut response. So you know, and, and everyone who's listening to the podcast will know spaces in their offices that don't work. Dead spaces, you know, that it just saps the energy out of people or they're just not used. So for us, we want to make sure that, that anything that we're implementing um, is is highly utilized and is uh, a well thought out space. So tracking those measurements is, is incredibly important. I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of almost frustrated and tired that we're still having this 
kind of debate as well, not not me and you on, on the podcast, but just in generally in the world over, like the difference between cellular offices and an open plan. I would really rather kind of just draw a line under that and understand that they, they were they were an important part of our history and, and the learning of moving forward. But actually both spaces are too one size fits all. And some of the motivations and drivers weren't necessarily um, as um, uh, taking the human in mind as as they, they, they as they probably should have been. So we've identified in a whole variety of other spaces, actually eight additional spaces as opposed to cellular offices and open plan that the organizations need to consider if they want to capture the vast array of activities that their people are doing today. Understanding that within the next year or five years, they will change tomorrow and you will need to re-examine. Right? So it can't just be a one shot and we're off um, from either the client or the supplier or the architectural design point of view, it has to be a constant process of following up and re-examining to make sure that everyone's needs are being catered for in the workplace. It's so interesting and I, I really enjoyed uh, what you just said about this feel before we think. Yes. Because that's how I tend to operate. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I wonder also, because I know that one of the fundamental human needs that is within the concept for Herman Miller is, is autonomy. Yes. And I, I think that, you know, there's still such a big gap between organizations that are fear-based and um, very hierarchical, mm -hmm. uh, that want to avoid risk yes. at any cost, minimize risk, and then other organizations, either startups or some very illuminated organizations that uh, thrive on iteration, on experimentations, on taking risks, and then translating um, mistakes or, or, or whatever has been done into learning. So I think that's probably the audience that will resonate or, or you know, feel more comf comforted to these kind of binary approaches or, yes, take this type of office layout or, or that type um, is going to probably feel more comfortable in that. And, and I think for you, perhaps, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm quite interested in the kind of clients that you work with to to hear this, you know, from from you that let's try, let's experiment, you know, let's come back, let's iterate. There needs to be a very big level of trust, but also this this uh, philosophy on iteration, on on op being open to making mistakes or, or taking risks. Yeah, well, it's 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 not just. I mean, you can't separate kind of the, the management and the culture of the organization and, and the facility, the interiors, really. For us, it's, a, it's one in the same, it's a reflection. So quite often, some of the first conversations that we're having with clients is, is what is the aspirational culture that you're trying to achieve, right? What do you want your business to feel like? What is the purpose of you being a business in the first place? What is the unique offer that you have? And how do you know when you've got it? Right? So when we can understand at a very high level what the business is trying to do, we can then chunk down into what's important for those businesses. So are you trying to innovate or are you trying to attract and retain the, the top people or are you trying to increase efficiencies and effectiveness? So once we can get a, an idea of what the business priorities are, again, it gives us a better idea of what the types of spaces need to be, um, need to be applied. And then we just keep chunking down and getting into what is then unique to the organization, that specific facility, and what is unique to the people within that facility that they do 
that may not be represented in other offices, but is, is truly unique to them. So again, it's just kind of following a really methodical process and, and, and measuring, you know, coming back and checking in and saying, is this still true for you? Or has that changed? And understanding that it will change in the future. Do you have a, a favorite um, client story or a favorite um, experience where you felt that because of this conversation and then this this cooperation, the company really, um, you know, had some eye-opening moments and and was actually learning and evolving in this process. Yes, of course. Uh, one of one of my favorite examples is is actually the reason why I came to Dubai and the Middle East in the first place. Uh, having worked in London for the past five years with Herman Miller, um, I was really eager to see what an effect this kind of approach could have in a region that is typically untouched from the delivery of insight and, and uh, research-based design. So that's what kind of led me over here in the first place. Um, and of course, you hear things about different markets within uh, the Middle East and Africa, some stereotypes, if you will. And I, I remember one of my favorite clients actually was based in Saudi Arabia. And we've done some work with them um, very recently. And some of the conversations we were having kind of really just sparked my intrigue and excitement around some of the demands that they were putting on us. Now, it's not unusual for, for a Herman Miller client to ask us to be more than we are. So we're very comfortable being more than just a firm company. So we engaged in this process of kind of extracting and, and almost like an x-ray of their business in conjunction with an architectural practice that was local uh, to where the client was based. So we teased out their, um, you know, their, their, their purpose, their business priorities, um, you know, the, the character of the organization, where they wanted it to go, and some of the activities that they were doing. And they were saying some really interesting things like, you know, we want this to, to be the most technologically advanced office within the region. We want to really focus on the people's needs here. And for me, that was kind of going against all the stereotypes that I'd heard from being back in the UK about operating and working in this region and the mindset and mentality of uh, certain markets. And for me, it was a great learning process, you know, just to, to uh, you know, just to find out for yourself before you make those judgments and, and listen to what other people are saying. Because I found that to be completely contrary to having been in this market for the last 60 months now, is that there are some organizations that are really wish, you know, looking to kind of push the envelope and do things a little bit differently. Um, because they understand that if you just stay still, that's an incredibly worrying place to be in. We've got to continually diversify and grow and change the, uh, the organization to reflect today's demands and needs, whether that be the people that's working in the organization or the people, the target audience they're trying to, uh, trying to reach. Absolutely, and, and thanks for sharing. I mean, it's, it's funny how um, globalization works in this way because you you can get very very similar organizations with very similar mindsets now actually from eastern europe or from asia from like western europe and the north north america who really understand that to attract and retain talent they need to do more <laughs> because mm -hmm. talent is global yeah. it's mobile um it has two feet <laughs> and and can yes. come in and then walk out again so it's interesting, I guess, how you also discover through your work um, that there is a, a, a layer of organizations who really get it 
and it's no longer bound to whether they are in um, in, in in the Middle East or whether they are in Africa, wherever they are, but it's it's really a kind of a, a a servant leadership, an awakened leadership to some of these yes. these issues, and and that's what you know combines them or unites them. Yeah, and, and we have uh, you know some pretty forward thinking leadership in the in the UAE. We've actually had a, a happiness minister appointed about 16 months ago in the region that, that we've been engaging with and, and hoping to do a, a little bit of work with in the, uh, the not-too-distant future. So it is a very forward-thinking region, actually, that we're operating in. Great. Now, unfortunately, the time is always running um, way too quickly <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast. And so before we move, Oliver, to the last question, may I ask you to share with listeners um, a website, a Twitter handle, where can they find out more about Herman Miller? Where can they get in touch with you? Yeah, of course. I mean, as, as usual, just log on to the Herman Miller website, the .com website. Uh, that's increasingly more global now. So wherever you log in the world, that should direct you to a regional site where that will be translated into your language. Um, you can also get hold of me personally at my Twitter handle, which is at OBB. Baxter, B-A-X-T-E-R, or the uh, the Insight Group uh, Twitter handle, which is at HM Insight Group. Um, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just Oliver Baxter. Uh, I don't think there's a, too many of us. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, not too difficult to find me. Look for the look for the person with most style, and then they will find you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a very large beard, so that should, that should narrow down the searches a little. <laughs> So and and also Oliver, you will be speaking at the Wellbeing uh, at Work event in Dubai on the twenty first of February. So and and well, plus indeed. and plus you're organizing a lot of events. I know um, across the world basically. So perhaps that's also a great way to to connect with the work Herman Miller is doing is by attending one of the small and intimate or large conferences events. Yes. Yeah, please do. So the well-being event, I'll be talking about cognitive, social and physical ergonomics. So uh, taking it past just the how to set up your desk and chair and, and more towards how is it starting to affect people in terms of the proximity and social boundaries and how they cognitively perform during their work day as well. So I think if you're in if you're in the Middle East around, then you should you should come and check out the conference. It'll be a good one. That sounds very, very interesting. Now, um, coming to the last question, which is always the same here on the Work Life Podcast, if I could ask you, Oliver, to give one advice to a CEO that is looking at uh, looking to enhancing the well-being of his or her employees, what what would be your first advice? Well, firstly, you know, congratulations for being forward-thinking enough to <laughs> to to reorientate and focus um, on your number one client, which which I believe is is always the, the people within your business should be the first priority of any organization. Um, you know, I think it was Richard Branson that, that was highlighted in a, in a magazine article by Inc. His philosophy has always been, you know, you put your staff first, your customers second, and your shareholders third, uh, which basically in the end means that the shareholders will do well, the customers will do better, and um, yourself and the, and the employees will be happy within the organization. Um, you know, happiness is incredibly important. We spend a lot of our time at work, so how can we, you know, how can we, uh, how can we leverage that? You know, as I mentioned before, you know, with a big emphasis on focusing on happiness in this region, it's something that's really difficult to measure. 
uh, which kind of comes to my second point. You know, just because something is difficult to measure doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. And just because we can measure something doesn't necessarily mean that we always should. So reach out to the experts. You know, um, you can study and find a lot of stuff that's out there online. Um, but um, if, excuse me for saying you don't know what you don't know. So reach out. There's a load of resources out there um, to find out, you know, how to better focus on, on the people within your businesses um, and cater for their needs. It's kind of it's kind of like um, having a personal trainer. <laughs> right. So if you, if you if you go to the gym, you could do you know really well on your own, but your results will be significantly amplified if you have a personal trainer. Right. And and they may not necessarily be, um, you know, following the latest uh, scientific research, but they do this all day in and day out, and they know what works. And then after uh, after a few years of them doing what works regularly, you know, science comes up and and finds out that they knew what they were doing all along. So, you know, reach out to the experts, find out some good people in in, uh, in the industry and also get involved. You know, don't just allow uh, some other team to kind of take take this uh, exciting opportunity off your hands. Get involved. Find out what makes your people tick. You know, it will always add tangible business benefits. Um, and one final thing, one of my favorite quotes is by Winston Churchill, uh, where he famously said that, that we shape our dwellings and thereafter they shape us. Right. So we know that. The interior design, we know that buildings have an effect. So hopefully we can start to move over the next few years. And we're starting to see this globally from this cost, real estate being a cost, to real estate being a valued add, right, a value add. And, and that doesn't mean that we need to move away from the other global trend of consolidation of real estate. It just means we need to start thinking about it in a different way and doing the next degree and level of research to make sure that the people that we're creating these little white boxes for are catered for to the utmost. Thank you very much. No, absolutely. And and that's what we also believe in that, you know, you can read so much about it online. You can watch a lot of YouTube videos, read a lot of studies and but experimentation takes a lot of time and costs a lot of money. So you're better off in investing up front and, and getting some expert advice that will help you get what you want tailored to you instead of just following, you know, not everybody can and should have a Google office, you know, or a slide. That's right. Or, or That's a smoothie bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only Google can have a Google office. Exactly. Everybody is unique and everybody is different. It's about doing what's right and appropriate for you. So do reach out. You've got plenty of res free resources at Herman Miller, including myself. Always happy to come and have a conversation wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much, Oliver, for taking the time and, and joining me on this on this podcast. And, you know, I wish you a great continuation of the fantastic work that you're doing and a wonderful conference, of course. Agnes, it's been absolutely my pleasure. I really appreciate uh, the interview today and hopefully we can do some more work together in the future.